This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. And I have a good episode today on after-hours trading. What does it entail? Is it something that you should incorporate into your trading strategy? Well, I have a listener here that has sent me in an email about after-hours trading. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to address it. And there's a lot to this. Now, I'll say right off the bat, I'm not a big fan of after-hours trading, but it doesn't mean that we can't discuss it, the pros, the cons, and all of that good stuff, and we'll get right into it here. And the name I'm giving this guy is Bocephus. Now, here in Florida, we'll call some people named Bocephus just Cephas. But for the purposes of this episode, I'll call him Bocephus. All right. And Bocephus says, Hey, Ryan, my name is Bocephus. I am a fan of your podcast. Really enjoy the short pods that are straight to the point of topic at hand. That's my goal. He says, I've been investing in stocks for a while now and have a pretty solid portfolio and actually enjoy doing fundamental analysis on stocks and companies. It can be extremely time-consuming, but generally, I'm not too worried about entering a position after hours. I got to tell you, there's one thing I don't enjoy doing, and that's fundamental analysis. I just don't enjoy it. I think I think a lot of times uh, for people who are really into crunching the numbers of companies and going through the balance sheets and the financial statements as a whole, that can be really rewarding. For me, I don't feel like that I'm going to find much of an edge in the balance sheets because there's so many people on Wall Street that are already looking at those financial statements that if there's a gem to be uncovered, it's already been uncovered. Any case, he goes on. And and look, I'm not saying that that's absolutely true in every case. I'm just saying in general, that's kind of how I feel about it. He goes on to say, he says, I've always been interested in swing trading, but my technical analysis knowledge is very limited. I'm working on it. He says, I've dabbled in a few trades here and there with reasonable success, but do to my career in construction management, I have next to no free time during the market hours to check charts and track my trades and watch lists. Anyways, I guess the long-winded question I'm trying to ask is, what are your thoughts on trading out of market hours or other strategies that I can employ other than the long-term investing that I'm currently doing? I appreciate any feedback you might have on this topic and keep up the awesome podcast and whiskey reviews. All right, since he mentions whiskey reviews. I'm drinking a whiskey. It's kind of a plain Jane one, you know, it's a, but it's a dependable one. I don't think it's a bad one. I don't think it's the best one. It's Larceny 1870, 92 proof that makes it 46% alcohol. Now, when you drink it, it's along the lines of Four Roses, Elijah Craig, maybe up there with Buffalo Trace, but not quite up there with Buffalo Trace. It has a little bit of the heat index that Buffalo Trace presents. So, on, on on the grand scale, I give it like a 6.3. Now, my brother loves this stuff. He drinks it all the time. He thinks it's pretty good. He'll tell you it's just a great all-around bourbon, and it's not bad at all. I might have to go out and get a bigger bottle just so that I have one 
around when people come to visit. Any case, Elijah Craig, give it about a 6-3. Not bad at all. I mean, it's following up a pretty tough act with Blanton's from the previous episode. Blanton's was amazing. That was like a 9-7. Let's get on to this guy's email here, right? So it's important to note that there's more risk when you're trading after hours. And there's a lot of reasons for why after hours trading is risky. And and again, I said this already in the episode. I'm not a huge fan of trading after hours. I feel like a lot of times when you're trading in the pre-market or after the market closes, you're susceptible to a lot more emotions because that's usually the reason why you're trading in after hours. Not, not in this particular situation with Bocephus, but in general, a lot of times why we trade after hours is because it's being emotionally driven. It's out of the context of normal trading hours when there's a lot more liquidity. And so for me personally, I dislike it. Very rarely will I trade in after hours. In fact, in all the years that I've been doing the trading block, I think I've made one trade in the pre-market. I've never done one in the after hours. doesn't mean I haven't done them before in my past. But I'm just saying, though, like for, in the trading block, I've only done one. It was in the pre-market, and I really regretted it. I, I would have been much better if I just waited till the open like I did with all my other trades. Because a lot of times, the, that pre-market action is very emotionally driven. And it's the same in the after hours, too. I would probably say more in the pre-market it's emotionally driven than the after hours. But there's an earnings report or whatnot. It's going to be emotionally driven. There's going to be a lot of hype falling behind it. And a lot of people are piling in in the after hours because they're wanting to get in on that move. And a lot of times they get stuck in a bad position and they become ultimate bag holders. And for those who don't know what a bag holder is in stocks, a bag holder is a person who gets into a stock at probably the absolute worst price or pretty close to it. And they become the person who's holding that stock until it keeps creeping closer and closer and closer to zero. You have an instance right now going on with like GameStop where the stock has gone from like $10 a share just about a month ago, all the way over $150 a share. So all those people who bought, they're probably going to be bag holders ultimately. I mean, especially if, if you bought in at like $100, $110, $120 or even higher than that. But here's the thing, though, and I'm telling you guys this as much as I'm telling Bocephus this, is that after hours trading is very illiquid. There has to be a reason to trade it after hours. And when I say that, that it means that it needs to have like a news event. It needs to have some earnings going on. Because for the most part, when the market closes, the, the price activity in stocks goes to almost nothing. Now, Apple, a little bit more liquid. Tesla is going to be a little bit more liquid. But you're going to still probably see a bigger spread with the bid and the ask. And so the problem with that is that means that your fill is not going to be very good when the bid and the ask has a very wide spread. During market hours on a $100 stock, you may only have like a two or a three cent spread on a very liquid stock. In the after hours, you may be seeing like 50 or 60 cents on a $100 stock. So then you're starting to talk about a much bigger spread to get long at or to sell out on a position. And here's the other thing about after hours too, is that you can't just do a market order. You can't do a stop order. You can't use stop losses. Everything is limit orders in after hours trading, which also makes it very hard. Both getting in and getting out becomes very tricky and your fills are not going to be nearly as good. Now, it's a little bit different when there's an earnings report because your bid and your ask price is going to be much, much tighter. Like if Facebook's reporting earnings like it does later this particular week that I'm doing this episode, yeah, there's going to be a much tighter spread in the bid and the ask price. So it'll be easier to get in and out. But that's going to be because there's so much volume pouring in because of that earnings report. But think about it. For Facebook, that's only four times a year. For any stock, it's only four times a year. Now, if there's a major news event that happens before or after, yeah, there'll be more price activity. 
even if there's an upgrade on the stock, yeah, there'll be more activity. There'll be it'll be moving more towards a gap higher if there's an upgrade or lower if there's a downgrade. But even then, it's not going to be nearly the amount of volume that you're going to see from like an earnings report or if it's a biotech stock like an FDA report. So these events for each individual stock doesn't happen all the time. And if there's like a buyout, it's just going to shoot right up to that buyout price for the most part and give you very limited reward for whatever risk that you're taking on. And hey, let me tell you guys too about this podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market, its Patreon account, because it's a great opportunity to stay abreast of all of my latest watch lists. I update them multiple times each week. You're going to get daily trade setups. You're also going to get the most intriguing charts that I find each and every day. On top of that, I'm going to give you weekly updates on all the FANG stocks, plus Microsoft, plus Tesla. And I'm going to give you updates multiple times each week on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, and the Russell, and the share planner reversal indicator. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. And it will help this podcast to continue to do what it's doing and uh, provide me the encouragement I need to uh, provide you great content multiple times each and every week and answer in your emails. So check it out. So Bocephus here, he's got a kind of an issue with what he's doing for a living. He's a construction worker, and those guys, they don't work at night. They work during the day, right? And during the day, that's when the market's open. If he's in the East Coast, it's definitely going to be wiped out by his work schedule. So how, how does he really do that? Well, there was a time when I was swing trading that I had no access to the stock market really during the day. I'd either be traveling or I would be working for the man when I was in corporate America. And I, I didn't really have a way. So one of the things that I did, I know Thinkorswim has this and uh, I haven't used it in a long time because I don't really need it. But um, there's plenty of brokerages that actually do this, but you can actually set an order to be placed after a certain time. So you can say after the first 30 minutes of trading. So you'll, you know, if you're on the East coast, you'll say after 10, 10 AM Eastern time. And so I feel like a lot of times traders as a whole can make very good trading decisions by not being caught up in the moment of when the stock market's actually trading by planning out their trades at night. It works a lot better for me that way too. And in that sense, you can swing trade by basically planning out your trades. It's like, okay, after the first 30 minutes, I want to get into this trade at this particular price. Now that doesn't mean that every time it's going to fill, it may be way above the price that you wanted to get into and you have like a limit order or you have a stop order, but you can also do like stop limit orders that you can submit, which gives it a range of where you're willing to buy it in between. So check that out because I think that, you know, if you're a working person and you can't necessarily place those trades during the trading session, if you plan out your trades the night before, you can actually state, hey, this is when I want to place the trade. This is how I want to do it. And, and it could work for you. Now, it's not going to be as ideal as being right there in front of the computer and doing it. But you know, look, look, if you're a part-time trader, everybody has different part-time trading circumstances. Just like Bocephus has a different one than maybe somebody that's working from home all day and they can have another monitor and their boss isn't going to be able to see what they're doing and they can be watching the stock market all day or have their TV on, right? So there's different circumstances that surround each person's job activities. And in this person's case, and I'm sure there's plenty of listeners here that have the same problem, is that you need to really explore the tools that your brokerage firm offers. I know I've used it on Thinkorswim in the past. It's like, hey, place this trade at this particular time. And they were able to do that. And I think there's some purity to that too, because you're able to come up with these really good trade setups, not because you see GME trading up 50% or 60%, but you're looking at the chart the night before and you're saying, okay, this stock is actually setting up, provides a good reward to risk opportunity. You're not ca caught up in all the emotion and all the hype, and you're able to make logical, reasonable 
deductions on your portfolio and the opportunities that the market's providing, and you can take advantage of them accordingly. But you got to remember too, if you're going to trade after hours, you got to expect extreme volatility. Earnings is the best example. I mean, you all the time will see a stock report earnings and it will go from like a hundred up to $110, like right out of the gate. And everybody's like, oh, they beat earnings. It's great. It's great. It's great. And they stay there the rest of the time. Maybe they creep up to $115 and then they wake up in the morning and the stock is trading at like $80 a share. I, I'm giving a little bit of an extreme example, right? But you get the point though. It's you wake, you, you go to bed at night thinking, okay, it's going to be a good day in the market. The stock beat its earnings. It traded higher afterwards. It was a good conference call. Or maybe the conference calls in the morning when they do the conference call, they say some stuff that the market clearly doesn't like. And now it's going from like $115 a share down to like 80 or $90 a share. And it had closed the previous day at hundred. So you're now down like 10% instead of being up 15%. And that just happens. And that's why it's very difficult to just trade earnings reports. Now, when it comes to earnings, I usually like to wait like a couple of days before I will consider trading that stock. Sometimes that's not always the case, but if it's seen a big sell-off, I want to see it settle in for about two to three days before I take a stab to the long side. But the differences are not just in after hours versus the pre-market. You'll see all the time where the stock will pop and then it'll drop. And, and I tell you what, I see so many traders get infuriated by it. It's like, oh, they had good earnings. Oh, they did amazing. Intel had good earnings this past quarter and they sold off. I mean, that's that's why I say don't play the earnings. Don't play the earnings because even if you say, hey, they're going to beat estimates, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do good. Intel beat earnings and they actually rallied in the after hours and then they sold off in the pre-market the next day. It just wasn't a very good. And sometimes that has to do with how the market's responding the next day. It might rally five, 6% after hours on their earnings, and then the market opens down 2%, yeah, it's probably going to drag that one down too. In essence, when you're trading after hours, it's very difficult, coupled with the restrictions on the order types, coupled with how illiquid it is, to find reliable moves in after hours trading. For me, it's better to stick with trading hours. That's what I do, and that's that's what I hope I convey to Bocephus here is, is that, look, you can you can still trade during the hours. You might not be around the computer, but you can still set up orders to take advantage of the market conditions as if you were there. You can do variables if and then. I mean, there's platforms all over the place that do that. You just got to dig into it. And if it's not even a platform, it can be a software that you can go to. Whether I don't have a ton of experience on it or else I would tell you about it. But um, but I do know that there's a lot of platforms out there that give you the ability to set the terms of your trade. And look, I mean, there's more liquidity after hours right when the market closes than there is towards like seven or eight o'clock at night at that point in time, it's going to get far less liquid. There's just not going to be as many people trading. And so if your time to really trade after hours is very limited and it's so much more emotional. And so I always think that it's a good thing to stay out of the emotions of the trade as much as possible. And when you start getting into after hours and, and your reasoning for trading after hours, it's usually emotionally based. Maybe it's because your stock got downgraded and you're down 10% in the pre-market and you're scared to wait let's say it's like a couple hours still before the market opens and you're scared to wait until the market opens two hours later because you're afraid that it might be 20% and maybe it will be. But oftentimes when that, when that happens and, and, uh, and I sell in the pre-market, I'm, I'm usually regretting it. So if you enjoy this episode, please do me the, the honor of going to Apple or whatever platform you're listening to and subscribe. And I tell you, what, I'd be completely flattered if you left me a, a good review because that does help me as well. And if you've been able to find that this episode or, or some of the episodes in the past have been helpful to you, the best thing you can do is just go and leave me a, a, a good review explaining as much 
And uh, that means the world to me. I actually do read the reviews and it, and it, it does warm my heart to see some of the kind words that you guys have said to me and how much you guys have supported this podcast. So make sure to do that. Um, again, if you have any questions, if you want me to check out your emails, and I'm getting to all y'all stuff. Send me an email at brian at cheerplanner.com and I'll, I'll put it on the air, man. If it's a good question and it's not something I've already done in the past, I'll, I'll be sure to tackle it. All right, guys. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePointer's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.